Welcome to Mad Men and Tonic, recapping Mad Men one workday cocktail at a time. I'm Christina. And I'm Elias. And here we are, shaking the rust off. Yes. We haven't recorded in a, a while. Almost as long as we haven't put a podcast out for the current at-home listener. Well, no, this will be time episode have, two. So, yeah, but, but we recorded episode one so long ago. Yes. We took a summer break, as you know. Yeah, <laughs> which, which we definitely announced in advance and yes. gave you all clear notice of, and didn't promise earlier episodes to come out this multiple why, times. This is why you don't make promises. Yeah, right. You <laughs> under you over promise and under deliver right that's what you're supposed to do yeah law school taught us anything yeah <laughs> but here we are we're back and we're ready to pound out season three like peggy one pound out that college student in this episode Yikes. yeah <laughs> sure, sure 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 so here we are season three episode two love <laughs> among the ruins what drink did we do for this? It was a long time ago that we tried it, but I remember it being very delicious. Yes, in honor of May Day, everyone's favorite pagan holiday, uh-huh. except for all the other pagan holidays. Midsummer, yeah. Christmas. Um, oh. Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> yeah, Halloween, spooky Halloween. All these other ones. Uh, we made what is called a May Day rum cocktail from thespruceeats.com, and this is basically a smoothie with a little bit of rum in it. Heyo. It was delicious. Great for this hot summer. I don't know where all of you live, but it's been brutal here. Anyway, ingredients. One cup crushed ice, two medium peaches chopped up, four strawberries, two passion fruits, two teaspoons of grated fresh ginger, three ounces of rum, four ounces of cloudy apple juice, one tablespoon of super fine sugar. And that makes two, right? It makes two, yes. And then garnishing with then an you apple garnish fan. With, with an apple fan, yes. So you mix all the fruit and the ice together, mix it up in a blender and then add the rum apple juice and sugar and then blend it again into two high and pour it into two highball glasses and you have a basically a jamba juice with a little rum in it it was delicious <laughs> a yoo with a little rum in it <laughs> yeah that is our first adam sandler reference of yeah. the episode great i know it's fun that we live <laughs> in the year 2000 when we record this podcast <laughs> yeah. and that's it and let's get started cheers Bye, bye, birdie. Uh, yeah, look at those pipes. Can't wait to see you go. Yep, we open up in yeah. this. And I'm not Anne Margaret. <laughs> beautiful. Well, Anne Margaret level beautiful for sure. Thank you, but I'm not Anne Margaret. Um, and nor will anyone else be. We will find out later on. <laughs> Good luck trying to replicate that. Right. But. Who did try but one January Jones and one John oh, Hamm yeah. in this bizarre clip that I saw for the first time, like going around like Tumblr in like the mid 2010s. And I don't know what for what purpose it was recorded, but they do like a thing where they're lip syncing. Well, January Jones is lip syncing Bye Bye Birdie and John Hamm is just dancing like a goofball behind her. Yeah, I mean... For that alone, you should see why John Hamm deserved an Emmy for every single season of this show because he is so goofy and in real, plays yeah, such in real a life. humorless Don Draper. Yeah, it's incredible. So yeah, I will never, link that. It's yeah. so funny. I had never seen that before. It was great. Yeah, good dance moves from yep. uh, old Hammy. <laughs> but that's where we open. We mm-hmm. open on this movie scene. Yes, the like famous from famous bits from Bye Bye Birdie, a 1963 movie, and it's, yeah, Anne Margaret singing the title track just with, like, a blue background in front of her and, like, a close-up on her face. Yeah, and she's, like, on a treadmill 
which yeah, we'll like get into that later during the auditions back when, they, and forth. when they do this. But anyway, they're showing this because Pepsi's introducing its new diet drink patio, and they want this exact scene. Yeah, because it was a big phenomenon. It was a, one of those, a musical that was adapted into a film, apparently inspired by the phenomenon of Elvis being drafted into the army. Really? Yeah. Huh. So it's like, think about like a pop star and being drafted. Really? I had no idea. I've never seen it. Dick Van Dyke's feature film debut. Wow. So. Who knew? I've never seen it. Not a big musical guy, but obviously this is what Pepsi wants uh, for Patio. Horrible name. That comes up multiple times in this yeah. episode. Patio was a real drink, and in the next year, it would become Diet Pepsi. And it is still Diet Pepsi. And that's a better name for it. Yes, ab- absolutely. But that's the whole point. This is a drink to uh, help reduce, as Cosgrove says. Which is, yeah, what they used to say. Just a horrible term. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say dieting culture was, you know, even weirder back then than it is now. Right. And I mean, look at the reactions of all of the different people in this office <laughs> after seeing this Yes. Scene. So Peggy is watching it, like, tight-lipped, just like... Oh, is this over yet? Sal, Sal, Sal loves it because Sal loves musicals. Yes, um, but he cloaks it and in. Uh, he saw the you know the Broadway version. Yeah, yeah, and like the gal that originated the role was great, but no Anne Margaret. She's no Anne Margaret. Yeah, she's no Anne Margaret. Isn't that from? Uh, feels like that's from an old sitcom. <laughs> well, that's from everyone <laughs> saying it when they see anyone trying to do something Anne Margaret does. <laughs> And, but they, yeah, they're talking about, really, we have to get this drink, because then we can get, like, a good um, chance at, like, actual Pepsi. Right. Full product. And knowing the cynical uh, businesses is they're just getting Pepsi to try to get Coke. The old Duck Phillips routine, (laughs) right? right. But, uh, actually, yeah, yeah, and that's why they almost got Coke last season, when Betty Um, uh, auditioned for it. Kind of. Anyway, we get this first boardroom scene, and let's just say no one really agrees on whether, well... I think everyone agrees this is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea, but it's what Pepsi wants. Yeah. They want to be cool with the hip kids. Well, and, like, so the guys are like, oh, yeah, this is great. And But Peggy immediately says, I understand why you guys like this, but this is supposed to be something that's marketed towards, like, me, and I am not, like, enchanted with, like, a young, like, sexy woman in the same way you are. But they're like, we don't care because we just want to do the auditions, of course, yes, as we've seen. as they always do. This is just like, you know, hunt open season for them, these auditions. And after Peggy says, this is me, like, I'm the target audience, Crane's like, well, you're not fat anymore. <laughs> it's just silent. Thank but you. Thank you, yeah. Which, God, if only they knew. She has another kind of spicy line about the whole premise of it, which is like, Let's assume that we can find someone that has the ability, like Anne Margaret, to be 25 but act 14. Like, is this going to be, is this still going to be a good idea? And uh, Sal's like, is that what she's doing? Creepy, creepy overcompensation here from Sal, but we saw last episode that he's got a lot to cover for. I mean, what are you going to do? Right. Which is what they tell her. They're like, yeah, sorry. Let's get the client on the line, and, and then, then you can, can tell them. Yeah, then you can start talking shit to them, right? Right, exactly. It's always great when we start with a disgruntled or perturbed Peggy. Yeah, and that's where we are. It gives her good good motivation to to do to do more. Right. Then back at home, Betty is perturbed to see that the Melba toasts are running low. Right. Speaking of reduction, yeah, uh, <laughs> we have the exact opposite problem here, which is it seems like starvation. <laughs> well, reduction is. 
losing weight too. Right, but she doesn't need to reduce. Yeah, no. When she's pregnant, yeah. 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 The last uh, person on the planet that needs to reduce. A pregnant January Jones, a yeah. pregnant Betty Draper. Yeah. Was she actually pregnant here? Did we discuss no, that? That's, no, that's uh, later when they make her... Fat Betty. Yes. Yeah. Then she's actually pregnant. Right. But even Don's concerned. He's like, you gotta eat more than a piece of goddamn Melba toast. Yeah. He's like oatmeal, which is also kind of like considered to be a sort of diet type food. Yeah. But I guess probably in the... F- 60s when you made it you made it with like a whole milk on the stove and like put a bunch of sugar in it so maybe not right i mean it's better than one piece of a, a melba toast melba toast yeah did you ever have melba toast i never had it as a kid. yeah not as a kid but at i'm pretty sure at um the supper club that b and i worked at in high school they had it in like a little we had these little cracker packages that you'd put in with the bread basket oh really huh and I'm pretty sure Melba's were one because we would selectively give <laughs> we would selectively give the better crackers to people that were dining alone because it was a lot of like older people. Oh. And then we give the bad ones to the dates. Uh, well, there's some, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack with that whole uh, situation. <laughs> we were 17. There. It was humorous to us. Yeah, some um, real bitterness yeah. from the salad girls over there. <laughs> yes, which was our job title. Thanks very much, salad girls, because only girls ever did the salad prep at this summer club. Oh, Lord. And it's great, though, but we'll be back when we go to oh, Minnesota. Yeah. We always go. It's a fantastic place. But mm-hmm. uh, now I'm going to take notice of what kind of uh, crackers we get. I don't know if they ever would have hired someone as spiteful as, as Britt and I. Well, they did once. I don't know why they would <laughs> change course yeah. now. Yeah. Didn't kill their business. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we find out, too, that Betty is, like, redecorating the living room, and Don's, like, annoyed that they have, like, these, like, photographs of, like, fabric samples that are each $3. I mean, you got to do it. We're getting into the closer to the mid-60s, so there's got to be more brown in their room. There's not enough right now. Yeah, right their now. room, their house isn't very, like, on trend, I feel like. No, it's, it's very, like kind of classic looking but right. it's it's not exactly. like I, I think it looks it looked similar to uh the den or living room that we saw when they went to visit her parents betty's or her father dad. Yeah. yeah yeah which put a pin in that because we'll be right back to to that soon right but yes so clearly an upgrade but don is like ugh, why what what are we paying for like why do we need a decorator and Oh, I just have a note here, too, that Betty, of course, looks perfect when pregnant and is wearing, like, you know, she always has these cute, like, house dresses and robes, and she has, like, a white dress with this really pretty floral robe and, like, um, a headband and a blue ribbon trim. Yeah. And of course, she looks perfect pregnant. Right, and we'll see it again when she goes into the office later. She's yes. wearing another, like, perfect. really pristine uh dress with a matching overcoat yeah yeah so, exactly yeah they really uh she's on point as usual as, yeah as you'd expect but yeah they have to go to Terrytown to look at some antique chairs that might go in the living room i love it that don's upset about this whole thing until one of the kids complains, and then he's ready immediately to switch sides to betty and go you're going you're gonna like it you're gonna stare at buttons and then we'll get an ice cream cake yeah and we'll it's get like, a bell. Oh, okay which, yeah, they're like an old franchise of, of ice cream shops. I don't think I've ever had it because we don't really have that in either regions that we've lived in. Um, well, maybe in California they did. I feel like my dad's family would just refer to ice cream cakes as Carvel's. Uh, but I don't know that we have any in Colorado. But was it like at the grocery store they would buy it or at a Carvel? No, I don't think we have them here. Yeah. So I don't know why they call them that. It just must be like 
you know, one of those ubiquitous Generic terms term. again. Mm-hmm. I, we always got ours at Dairy Queen, I feel yes, like, for ice as cream Yes, as did we. Uh, and that's what I usually do for my birthday as a, yeah. a late summer birthday in humid Minnesota. Yeah. You got to eat it fast. Good excuse to eat the whole cake in one sitting because <laughs> yeah, it melts right. too fast before the mosquitoes fly in. Delicious. <laughs> yes. But this doesn't seem to cheer the kids up at all. No, uh, I know. I was kind of, I thought they'd be like, yeah. But no. Ice cream. Subdued They're reaction. so spoiled that they can't even like is it worth, emote. Is it worth going to the smelly furniture stores in Terrytown? I don't know. Yeah. Apparently it doesn't seem like that fair of a trade to them. All right. And then back on another account at the office, Pete and Kinsey are meeting with people from the to-be-built Madison Square Garden, and they are dealing with not, it's not really advertising the upcoming Madison Square Garden right now so much as calming the objection to the upcoming Madison Square Garden. Right, they're looking for PR here, basically. Yes, um, because they're tearing down the old Penn Station building. Right, to replace it with what is most likely the most famous venue in the United States. Maybe the Superdome is more famous at this point, or the Rose Bowl. But other than those spots, Madison Square Garden is Yeah, it's like the, the place, right? Everybody's, everybody who's anybody in music's played there. The Knicks play there. The Rangers mm-hmm. play there. It is yeah. still there and huge and, surprisingly, still extremely controversial because of Penn Station, which got renovated in 2021, opened a new train hall, and in 2013, the Manhattan Community Board voted unanimously against granting a renewal to Madison Square Garden's operating permit in perpetuity. Instead, 2013. In 2013. Even though that makes like a bill a year. 50, sure. 50 years after <laughs> what they're talking about in this episode. And they instead proposed a 10-year limit because they want to build a new Penn Station where the arena currently is, and they mm. want to move the arena. Um, so this is never quelled, even though Madison Square Garden is iconic now, worldwide. Now it's more famous than Penn Station might have been. Right. Is it that they don't want, they don't like the architecture of it, or that they want like a a travel place instead of a venue? I don't know. I really don't know what the politics mm-hmm. surrounding this whole situation are. I mean, obviously Kinsey raises a huge stink in this uh, scene about it being, you know, an iconic New York masterpiece. Exactly. And it looks beautiful when you look look at the old photos and I understand his position. It just isn't what you should say to the client when they come in asking for the opposite, for help with the opposite, um, approach. Right. To me, this is a fireable offense that Kinsey does here because this account is fucking gigantic. Like, and they know it. And it's um, not just like a it's like a miss you know like one misstep. It's like he's actively like telling the clients that they're like destroying culture, basically. Right, and yeah, he compares it to uh, the Romans tearing down the Colosseum to build outhouses. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta have a place to do your business. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you still got a good to. amount of uh, Colosseum left, at least. Right, but remember that it wasn't <laughs> excavated. And until I've I've whenever, been to yeah. a outside of Italy preserved roman Colosseum, and it was more so in yes, france yeah certainly mm-hmm. and, and the same in you know as, as kinsey says in greece mm-hmm. uh, they're much yep. better yep. preserved but uh yeah he throws a shit fit and like it pretty much gives voice to this big controversy over old new york and new 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 york kind yeah. of parallels nicely with what betty's trying to do to their house 
with the decorating. Right. Like, trying to right. move it forward. Yeah, but this is a, a big scale, and then Pete is kind of stuck having to try to try to talk the clients down a little bit and say, he's just like one of those snide ad guys from the movies. And right. they're like, no, he's the guy that like is sending us death threats, this beatnik, basically. And Pete, of course, pulls out all the stops, brings up his family. Yeah. Uh, he's like, the Dykemans, you know, would never. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> of course, they would never. But it goes to shit, because Kinsey is Kinsey, you know? And they leave, and like Pete whips around and just glares at Kinsey. He's like, it's culture. It's New York. Right. What could we do? This city has no memory, which is a good line, but not when you just maybe kiss goodbye billions of dollars in the future. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Pete's like, I'm going to have to tell Don about this. And, you know, we're in that kind of uh, gray zone where we don't really know how this company's managed, which is another theme of this episode. I don't think anyone Under the does, new including ownership. Don. Yes. <laughs> and we'll get there, too. But we don't know. You know, this could be a fireable offense for Kinsey. As far as we know. Right. We'll see. No. We'll see. Let's keep going. Yeah. And then Betty comes to the office to meet Dawn. And this was, like you mentioned, she's wearing another just outfit that if you were like a real, you know, person that didn't have the crazy like expectations of performance of femininity, you probably wouldn't want to be wearing when you're that pregnant because it just wouldn't be comfy. But she's wearing a matching like shift dress with a cowl neck and jacket that's like pink silk and like or like pink and red pattern um has her hair up in like a high bun it's like metallic wearing big earrings and as joan says i hate you you know that other than wilma flintstone i haven't seen anyone carry so well that's a real episode wilma flintstone is pregnant i didn't know this i thought that pebbles was always a character in the show but were they, that like, is they were just like, yep. Or I like, guess they were just dinks, um, dinks for a bit. Yeah. Dinkies. Yeah. Dinks dual income, no kids. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, um, single income. Sinks. Sinks. Is that a term? Uh, yeah. And in the 50s, in a cartoon, the, the wife was not going to work. Right. Yeah. And which we just watched a Harvey Birdman where Flintstone's on trial. Uh, like as a Tony mob, Soprano. As a mob boss. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, she has a baby during the run of this cartoon and we'll post. Uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll post the. Uh, pictures of Wilma. I mean, yes, I, that is what Betty Draper is. She is a cartoon character. And when you look that good pregnant, it's a rare thing, I think, to be super hot and pregnant at the same time, right? But but if you do it... You're going to find out, I guess, when I am pregnant, which... I don't know. You Now you, you're you, telling you, me how much, how hot I'm not going to be. <laughs> how not hot I'm going to be. I didn't say anything about you. You could be the hottest pregnant person of all time. We don't know. You don't know until you got the baby uh, inside you. But uh, I'm not sure we'll see. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't been uh, too uh, receptive <laughs> as of late to uh, I, yeah, no a little baby, uh, you know, growing a little parasite inside who, you. Who among us would look like January Jones? Or not even January Jones, because January Jones is not pregnant during this season. Who would look like Betty Draper? A television character who just basically has on that belly from 10 Things I Hate About You. Because <laughs> she has suit. no other weight or fat anywhere. She's like those really irritating people where like you're, you're standing behind them and they are wearing like yoga pants and they're like super fit. And then they turn to the side and that's the only way you can tell they are pregnant. Of course, Betty looks like a cartoon character pregnant. Right. She and didn't of- get a fat, fat jowls, you know. And of course, she's going to wear 
the most like when you know you're gonna look that good pregnant it opens up a whole fashion world to you, you know <laughs> and she's taking perfect advantage of that yeah and like the whole office is agog as usual mm-hmm. uh, but she has no time for them <laughs> yeah it's smoke and mirrors i've busted plenty of seams okay yeah. okay betty yeah um but yeah she is offered water but wants to know well, I'll sit, but how long am I going to be waiting? Yes. She... Let's just say, I don't even like to visit work. Yeah, she really doesn't. <laughs> Unlike when we see Trudy, like, when they're newlyweds, and she's, like, so jazzed about when she gets to go to the office or call Peter at the office and ask what he wants for dinner, but he finds this to be a chore at right. this point. And this then is... she's in a bad mood, it yeah. seems like, already. It's a performance, and we'll find out why she's in a bad mood. We'll talk about that. But it's just the sheer boredom that homemaking wives must endure sometimes in these sentences. Like, in these types of times when right. they couldn't I mean, really pursue much outside of the house. Yeah, and you could just tell Trudy is like was feeling that and was excited to go in and do things. She's always doing stuff. Yeah. You know? Well now Betty doesn't have horseback riding, so she's probably kind of more Yeah. You know. Can't do that while pregnant. And probably couldn't do that anyway because it seems like she burned that whole place down when she left last season. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> truly. Yeah, um, and then we have a moment of Lane calling calling Roger, Bert, and Don to his office with bad news, and it's that they lost Campbell's Soup UK, and then Bert's just like kind of annoyed. I don't want to have to walk down here every time we lose an account. This is an advertising agency. I'll wear out the carpet. Don't call me down here for this. I'm on my ice float going out to the middle of the sea. Just I'm let busy. me count my dollars in the, my Japanese museum of an office. Yeah. And he walks out. And then Lane has a real conversation about it with Roger and Don where he's like, you know, the big thing is is not just this account, but that, you know, this means we're not getting Campbell's Soup U.S. and, like, who dropped the ball on this. But again, it's really just with Don because... Don's like, this is not my job. I am not an accounts guy. And the whole time, Roger is staring at the uh, suit of armor and just asks uh, Lane. You ever get three sheets of the wind and try that thing on? And Lane just looks perturbed. At yeah. He's, like, he's so confused. But, I mean, Roger's in the same boat as Cooper. He's just not going to say it. He could give a shit about yeah. the business right now. And know? I think, yeah, there's some kind of awkwardness in Don's role because, you know... Now he's a partner. Previously, it was true that he would just go to meetings, but I think he's not yet kind of caught up on that he should be setting them and that it's not just enough to have his name there for others to set it based on his name. Like, he... I think they're... Lane is expecting him to do more, although that's not been the expectation of him yet. Right. Well, it's not a boutique anymore. So the art... The artist part is not as important as the bringing in business part, it seems. And Don does not do that. But we learn quick that... Now Don's uh, getting another role here. And then just another, like, really quick flashback to Betty where she has sat down and Allison, Don's secretary, is, like, holding a pendant over her pregnant belly and trying to, it's like an old, like, wives' tale, like, you know, what type of movement there is is going to tell you if it's a girl or a boy. I love this stuff. I love these kind of (laughs) weird uh, folk things, but they don't even know, like, even Allison's They don't like, know the don't, interpretation. I, yeah, I don't know what the actual, like, thing is. All I'm doing is hypnotizing your stomach, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so she has to go call her mom. <laughs> yeah, so we never find out. But we, is, we know that we've heard Betty say she thinks it's a girl. It is just a pleasant scene to see after Betty's entrance into the office, like, her... 
She's like, all right, let's just tolerating chat, this. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Doing this nonsense. But then Roger walks over and he similarly describes how she looks pregnant as. Oh, look. Princess Grace just swallowed a basketball. That's, Again, the Grace Kelly. Yeah, pretty apt. But yeah. uh, let's just say these two have not uh, mended the fences since yeah. last season. Since, uh, yeah, with Jane, I think is the big thing. Oh, I. I, th- I think still. I thought it went further back to uh, when he made the move on her. I think at both. The house. Either way, the kiss is greeted frostily. She ba- she does not make eye contact with him. Yes. Ice Queen Grace in this scene. But yeah, then they head out, and then Joan and Roger are left there awkwardly standing, and yeah. she leaves. Mad Men does this great stuff when there's a really awkward scene where they'll put that like kind of jazzy music yeah, in the background. Yeah, as they just stare at each other for a second, and then goodbye, Mister or goodbye, Miss Harris, Mrs. Mrs. Harris, and walks away, and you're like, oh. God. So yeah, let's just say there's a lot of ruins. Uh, love their, among them. Yes, a lot of no love lost in this scene. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> so then we find out why Betty came into the office in the first place, which is that she and Don are going on a double date with Lane and his wife. Do Rebecca. we know Lane? Rebecca. We yes. hadn't met. I don't think we'd met her before. No, we haven't. Miss Honey. And she makes quite an appearance here. Uh, just shitting on New York the whole time. She's almost, yeah, less in a frostier mood than Betty, but it seems to work out okay. <laughs> right. This couldn't be, this could not be in any more contrast to how they opened season two with dinner. I guess that's episode two of the show where they open it with, uh, the dinner with Roger and Mona and Don and Betty just right. having a grand old time getting wasted Too together. much of a grand old time. And this is... Very British, and I, it's a good parallel and tells you where, where we are. This is the nice commentary on where the business is as well. Yeah, it's not. It's no longer Betty having to help Don impress his boss. Now it's kind of like, you know, they're on closer kind of footing together. Right, and it's also not fun. <laughs> Nobody seems to be having fun here. Yeah. Uh, and, but we do have to highlight that the first thing we see is just the level of wealth we're dealing with here is a, this restaurant pulls out a 1949 Chateau Lafitte Rothschild wine, which the Rebecca says, oh, I'm surprised you even have this. Which is like kind of like a compliment, kind of shade. She's like, oh, yeah. you guys have this? But then yeah. she's like, oh, you have this. Right. <laughs> uh, right now you can still buy this wine, according to winesearcher.com, which I've never seen before, uh, for $2,500 a bottle. Casual. Yeah. This is not even close to the most expensive of these Rothschild wines that I, I've seen on this website. I saw one that was over $10,000. So that's just absurd amount for Worth one every alone. drop, baby. Yeah. Tastes like liquid gold. Do you have, any, sure. do you have anything in a, you, in a box? Yeah. <laughs> um, your cheapest red wines. Uh. <laughs> that is how we tend to roll. Yeah. Well, unless you're, yeah, unless we're going all out and you get a pairing. It's just like my aunt always says, he goes, all you need is a good cheap wine and it's a good cheap wine. But anyway, uh, that's just how this scene opens. And it's very stiff, not good conversation, really. Lane keeps going to business. Don keeps saying the ladies don't want to talk about that. Right. Uh, And they don't. They don't really want to talk about anything else either, except for how much Rebecca does not like New York. Right. A lot. Do they even want to talk to each other? We don't know. But it doesn't, it doesn't look fun at all. Thank God the wine's getting poured. 
Yeah. Uh, and Lane does have what I think is a great toast. Yeah. You kept laughing about it. But I, it I was just, like, this is how I'm going to open our next dinner with friends when we have wine. Like the Bordeaux grape, may we all get better with time. It just reminds me of this scene in Portlandia where Fred <laughs> Armisen's playing like this old professor type and he says something like, you know, they say that beer was the God's gift to man. But wine was the god's gift to the gods. And it just sounds so fucking stupid and pretentious. Like, just say cheers and drink the $2,500 bottle of wine. But because he's English and has an English accent, it sounds classy. It's amazing what you can get away with with those accents in America. I really feel that way. Yeah, we are very dumb and we assume that everything you say is intelligent. Spoken is an absolute sucker for Australian accents. I understand (laughs) completely why this worked on my wife. (laughs) Hey, hey, <laughs> your ex-wife, if you keep that, uh, that up. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, so they have their little dinner, and on the way home, we find out why Betty is in such a frosty mood. Yeah, let's just say no giggling and dizzy headed after Lobster Newberg this time around either. This is the exact mirror shot of how that dinner with Roger. Right. It's the same two scenes. Could not be different. Yes, In the exactly. tone and tenor. Why? Well, it's a family affair. Yeah, she, again, is just, like, having these issues, getting her family to communicate about how her dad is, and she finally gets her, coaxes it out of her brother that his girlfriend, Gloria, who we had previously met, left him. Well, it all stems from him. It all stems from her dad, who won't tell people this. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we already but saw... But then, no, but the thing, too, was that, like, William... Oh, no, that's right. William was the one that told her about the stroke because Gloria didn't. Right. He wouldn't even let her in the house. Mm-hmm. Or he wouldn't even let William in the house for a while. Uh, a lot of weird stuff. We saw last season how weird it got to the point where Gene, I mean, felt up Betty. Yeah. Because so I think he's, we know he's, you know, he's got yeah, some, he's like, slipping. dementia, like, starting to creep in, it seems. Right. And so this is, a like, a very... Would I say creative or just Betty-esque way of phrasing this to Dawn at first is like setting the stage for this pseudo request that they're going to come visit when she's clearly already planned the visit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's um, doing and then asking for forgiveness sort of kind of just like, oh, I'm going to tell you about my concern. I think that therefore we should have him come during spring break. I've planned it out. It'll be good for the kids. And Don's like, ugh, more antiques around the house. Great line. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is already a done deal. Yeah, and he's Don, like, why did yeah, you ask? Don recognized that too pretty pretty quickly. He's not slow on the uptake, as we know. But a little more love among the ruins here. This family is a fucking shit show, which we will see. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of shit show, though. <laughs> and, and families. Uh, Roger. <laughs> Mona, his ex-wife, and Margaret, his only spoiled daughter who is getting married, they are at the office. Um, Well, they show up unexpected to Roger. I don't think it's unexpected. I think they're planning to meet for wedding planning stuff. Okay. I I didn't think it was unexpected. Oh. Because he had the coffee cup set out or the teacup set out on the table already when they came in. I guess it was just unexpected that a secretary called them his family yeah that that was unexpected to him even though it's you know still his daughter of course (laughs) right and they walk in 
another you know rich ass family dressed to the nines yeah. mona's like almost funereal yeah it's scene. kind of funny she's like i have to see this ex-husband I and mean, we're all black right margaret is in like a pink gingham like skirt suit and like a white hat and looks kind of very very park pre- avenue prep school yeah, yeah park avenue uh you know we love roger but there's no way we're not team mona and this is just a great like dramatic yeah. move by her toward this fucking uh yeah no, she's with the coolest i hat. love yeah. mona and we wonder you know it seems like it's just wedding planning mm-hmm. roger's already pouring the vodka even mona's partaking <laughs> mona does this really funny thing where he asks if they want to drink margaret kind of chastises him she turns and looks at a statue of like a naked man's torso or like a bust just a butt it's just his butt and she looks face, the butt man. is like eye level and she says yeah sherry if you have it it reminds me of that scene in billy madison when um eric is listening on tape to like the spanish in the spanish language and he's thing. just like buffing the butt of buffing, the statue yeah. just the butt yeah God. shining it up well it reminded me of roger <laughs> staring at the suit of armor yeah a few yeah. scenes earlier just like i feel like there's so many these people do so many things that cause awkward moments that they have to have weird shit in their office to just deflect a little bit right and i it's just I, lo- I just love these small scenes of quirkiness that you see. And, like, that commonality tells you why they were married for so long in a way. They just are so weirded out by these simple, I yeah, don't know. Or they'll just, like, just focus in on bizarre details. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. And, again, another callback to the Greek-slash-Roman ruins of statue. He just has this weird Roman statue in his... Do you think yeah, that was it's a like Jane? like Ozymandias, yeah. just, like, <laughs> decaying slowly. Do you think this was a Jane purchase, that statue? I don't feel like that was in last season at all. Yeah. I think Mona gave it too weird of a look. Like, she had not seen it before. Right. That's my sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and they were. He, they did talk about how he brought a bunch of stuff back from his trip, so maybe he bought right. a statue. They, they went to Greece. Yes. 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 Oh, yeah, wow. We're making connections that we should have made a long time ago doing a podcast about this. But uh, anyway, it's awkward immediately roger makes it awkward because he's like you're hurting my new wife's feelings you offered to take you to dior for your and wedding you won't gift call her back. yeah you won't call her back well it's, well <laughs> yeah uh she is like i don't even actually want her to come to the wedding frankly yeah better pour a second uh vodka roger and mona's like june and you can have a table part purposefully calling her june like i don't know who the fuck this girl is this like 20 year old that you were married to whatever her name is just power play play. whomever yeah uh you can have your own table and we find out too that she's got a date already for the wedding right that old saddlebag (laughs) roger vicious the so funny though amazing divorced wedding politics consolidated into this i can't imagine it must be it must must be challenging i mean it was difficult to set tables with two happily married uh (laughs) families families yeah so god knows and i mean the seating chart is a war zone if you're not married if you're planning a wedding or if you're going to get married just fyi yeah you'll look like that always sunny scene with Charlie and the strings up, like <laughs> with bags under your eyes, just crazy. Yeah, it's it's insane. I always say that after you do one, you're never gonna get mad about where you are in one again. Oh That's no, for sure. Oh no. But this is just <laughs> awful. And it, the best part is, you know, Mona knows that she's got the bride on her side, and then Brooks walks in, 
later. Yeah. Like, purposefully planned that he comes a little later. Yeah. And so that he has to avoid what is seemingly this the point of this This uncomfortable bit about it, yeah. But it's also, it's, it's like the weird dynamic of Mona is on the daughter's side, and that is like, we don't want Jane involved in this at all. But Roger is paying for everything, too. Right. So that part of it makes it kind of hard to work both of those things together. Right. And the leverage. And this is post-divorce Roger. So, But also post-purchase uh, company. So and assumingly post, he's um, flushing in. Post-alimony um, Mona, I'm sure. Yeah. Alimony. Alimona. <laughs> and she's like dating, you know, some other rich dude already. Yeah. And she just has this great small shrug that's so smug and awesome when he says... When they're talking about him having his own table. It's like, mm-hmm. what, you get the in-laws and I get Siberia? And it's almost just a shot at her that she doesn't even shrug, but you could just see like, it in her face. Eh. She loves this. Yeah. She's loving this. Oh, because guess who the in-laws probably like to hang out with more? Mona. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, I mean, life of a party, Roger. Yes, but, you know. God, I am already the so... The in-laws probably don't like to have to deal with, like, the weirdness of him dating someone that's younger than their new daughter-in-law either. Who Mar- knows? Married to, pardon me. I mean, if they're anything like Brooks, they're real stiff. Yeah. Uh, and not as rich as them, yes. if I recall. But we'll get there. I'm already so pumped to get to the wedding. It's one of my favorite scenes of the show, but that's a ways away. Anyway. But, yeah, it, um, and we end on them choosing an invitation and... They might make the note of the date of the wedding, November 23rd. Huh. November 23rd, 1963. Rings a bell. bell. Now, if you're bad at U.S. history, uh, first time I watched it, probably was a surprise what happened later. But you probably saw it and were like, oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, they do it so quickly that you don't really catch it. Right. Um, In a flash. But you might clock that if you were a perceptive watcher the first time. Yeah. Talk about something just destined for disaster. Exactly. Um, In more ways than one. So then back at the office, Lane and Don catch up, um, you know, talk about their wives hitting it off. They had a great time. A marvelous time. Did they? I don't know, but. It's just nonsense. I mean, his wife is probably, Lane's wife is probably happy to talk to someone else. Who knows? Maybe that wine really hit the spot and uh, they had a good time. They just didn't see it. Didn't seem like that when they left, but... But Lane tells Don that he needs to uh, do some partner-type business, which is smooth things over with the Madison Square Garden clients because he says Peter and Paul really did a number on them, but... We, we know really, yeah, it's just Paul. Yeah, so let's just add to uh, Don's job description again. Mm-hmm. Like Now he has to go do account work. Basically. Yes. And that's and what like, he says. He's and like, like supervisory yeah. work, like having yeah. to fix the mistakes of the underlings. <laughs> right. Even though, he, and he says it, he goes, this is Roger's job. Roger's the lion tamer. Exactly. He's but, like, oh no, both of you need to go. Yeah, that's of, how that's fucked how up it is. is. That's exactly. how shitty Kinsey is. Yeah, um, exactly. Kel Surprise. And yeah, Don, Don takes it. It's like, okay, what, what, what am I going to not go drink a bunch during lunch and get it paid for and yeah. Exactly. Show off how good I am at words <laughs> and things. Words and stuff. A memoir by Don. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah, he has to be a... Cyrano de Bergerac, which... I don't know that reference. Yeah, it's a old, really old story, I think, about a really ugly but eloquent guy that 
helps this dumb, handsome guy court the woman that he's in love with by hiding in the bushes and, like, whispering the words to him. Which is, like, a classic. And then he says it to her, and she falls in love. But he falls in love with her, and Cyrano falls in love with her, and she, like, pretty much... Well, she pretty much realizes (laughs) that this guy didn't say those words, and she fell in love with the words. Mm. So I don't know if they end up together. I can't remember or not what happens at the end, but... All I remember is, I feel like in elementary school or middle school we saw a play of this <laughs> and the guy just had a gigantic nose yeah on, like comically ugly like, wow um but, uh, wow 1640 oh no that's when it's said rather 1897 and it was responsible for introducing the word panache into the english language wow um i just want to see if they end up together really quick but that's like a classic sitcom sitcom plot where oh, like someone's yeah. got like in their ear an earbud and they're like say this to your date and they'll really swoon. right it's all based on this this is where that all comes from oh he dies in the end of course Fuck. he does because it came out before 1900 and Fuck. it's a play so they have to die anyway yeah. but yeah. yeah so don has to has to whisper into their ears right charm them with his mm-hmm. words and then Meanwhile, back at the house, Betty's dad and brother and, like, his family arrive because they've driven down from the house as Betty requested to stay over spring break. They stopped and got sandwiches, and her dad left one aside for Gloria, his girlfriend. And some really savage work from William in this Yeah, episode. kind of surprising. Was... <laughs> We've not seen him with so much teeth. Yeah, <laughs> so but many it was teeth. one of the best lines of the episode. It was like, oh, yeah, damn, good, okay. We'll mail it to her, yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, this ep's really all about power dynamics and immediately the fact that Betty prepared this whole lunch for them Mm -hmm. and the dad picked up sandwiches. It's like immediately switches it. I mean, the same scene, Don getting basically put to work in something he doesn't do in the scene before. Yeah. And of course, William's wife, who really seems endlessly desperate to be liked by Betty in the scenes we see. Judy. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, we didn't eat though. No, we're ready for We're her. ready to we're, eat. Yes. Beef, Only Betty. he did, yeah. yeah. Right away, you can see this is not what Betty wanted at all. Oh, like, yeah, this she's, is, she's already already worried, did I make a huge mistake? But, uh, you know, even to all those comments that William makes, Gene just trucks on. He glares at him. Yeah. But he's not, it's clear he hasn't not, accepted. Like, registering it. Yeah, yeah. He has not accepted that she's gone forever. And we don't know if that's because he's heartbroken or if it's because of his memory slippages right right? yeah yeah and so william's comment can you know if it's memory related is pretty careless it's pretty thoughtless but if it's if he's just not acknowledging it it's funnier but it's it's harsh to say that to someone if they really you know can't remember what happened i think it's straight up malicious regardless uh but when it's funny you're not in trouble as i always say and We'll get into more of what... Well, we've already got a sense of William from last season. Yeah, he's kind of a snake. He and Judy were possibly stealing things from the house to just put in their own house. Yeah, they've got designs on, on, on things for sure. And then there's just like a really brief scene at the office where Joan is kind of like greeting, greeting folks that are coming in for a meeting and it's all like men. And she is like at the end of like this kind of joke saying like oh like it's so crowded in here i felt like i was on the subway and they're all like ah 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 
I've never seen a woman like you on the subway. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, my husband won't let me. It's a, you know, it's just an expression. Yeah, the Anne Margaret of the office. That's for sure. Yeah. Just Peggy just glaring during this scene, right? Yeah. Well, Peggy's just watching how enthralled the guys are just with this dumb joke and that she's not the type that, like, you know, would be on the subway. But Right. Really good work from Elizabeth Moss in this episode. Just does, in this one scene, like, so much is translated. She is just really struggling with that bye bye birdie yeah just kind of like and you know how much do i want to lean into like you know my femininity versus like trying to exert like my work speaking for itself right and also reconciling that she does not have the the thing that sal talks about that ann margaret has or that uh, joan has in this yes yes that's comes across so easily in this one scene yeah just her, her expression exactly right but yeah then they're Roger and Don are at the restaurant where they have to do damage control. And Roger is, he, cause this is the same day as he's handled the Margaret and Mona thing. So he like is kind of trying to commiserate with Don about it. He's like, oh God, like today I had to do this, you know, it's awful. And then the waiter comes over, he orders a Gibson up. He's like, yeah, that'll help. And he doesn't even care. That's, that's the thing. It's again, another power shift that they'll, white male's not comfortable with where he's like i don't even give a shit about this i just want to win right you know it's not even about there's no substance to this it's just a matter of getting over mona's head yeah like getting on top gets more like wedding control from the bride from our daughter exactly they're using this as a political game and like he says he does not care about this wedding at all not like yeah yeah no, they care about their position, their right, social and status. and how they come out looking. That's it. And so Don has no sympathy for this, even though Don's basically in the same boat, having to be here. Right. Doing, yeah. basically doing Roger's job, which he also has a nice pointed remark of, What else do you have to do today? What else do you have to do all week? Yeah. You don't have anything to do. What are you do doing around here? And, yeah, I mean, there's still, although he and Roger have, like, clearly mended things, there's still just kind of this, like, ongoing understanding that Don like judges his decision to leave Mona and Roger knows that Mm -hmm. and that's just not going to change for a while at least so there's no advice giving here but once the Penn Station guy or the MSG guy shows up Don turns on the charm because the guy is clearly not there to he's there to say fuck you guys I say good day yeah but uh, Roger and Don know what they need to do and they need to turn it from a Right. Being yelled at to getting an account. Right, and it's just page number one out of the Lucky Strike playbook. It's the same pitch. Mm-hmm. Change the conversation. You know, don't project a guilty conscience about tearing oh, yeah. down Penn Station. Right. Because that means that it's a bad You're thing. You're bad. And, you you know, it's already a done deal, too. So there's, right. no, there's no reason to try to fight that. Right. And, of course, Don brings it back to California. I was in California. Everything is new, and it's clean. The people are filled with hope. New York City is in decay. Greed is good. Right, and this is exact, yeah, <laughs> Wall Street action here. Uh, and it's like that underlying decay of New York that's happening through mm-hmm. the 60s. Uh, yeah, just wait till you get to the 70s, folks. There's yeah. going to be TVs floating in the river and all that. Yes. Unfortunately, it seems like we'll never get our Sally Sally in the 70s spinoff no. of this show. But uh, that would be a big theme, I feel like, uh, is the uh, decay. decay of New York. But Don's like, this is easy, okay? Mm-hmm. PR people can't do it. They uh, They have this idea, but they can't execute. We can. Yeah. 
And the guy sits down and is ready to go. PR people understand this, but they can never execute it. If you don't like what is being said, change the conversation. This line of his is evergreen. Yeah. Oh, it's a great I mean, line. Misdirection always... is the, one of the most powerful tools you have. Give them the old razzle-dazzle. Razzle-dazzle. <laughs> As our esteemed Civ Pro professor once sang. Uh, yeah. During class, and, so. yeah, we <laughs> in a suit, and we were all just kind of speechless for a moment when it yeah. happened. Yeah, it's always fun when the buttoned-up type really release. Yeah, uh, and do a little number from Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are you sure you don't like musicals? Because that was a great day when that happened. I don't even remember it. I just remember you talking about it. To be yeah. honest, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I blocked out most of that class. To be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, fair. But yeah, uh, New City on a Hill, and Don re- says he will handle this personally. Right, New City on a Hill. The stark opposite uh, vision of Rome that Kinsey put forth mm-hmm. uh, when he was talking with uh, these guys earlier. It's like, yeah. No, 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 it's not about, you know, tearing down valued old things. It's about building something much more beautiful mm-hmm. and interesting and 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 cool and aka money making yeah and it works that's all that they need to hear yeah he said he finally sits down yeah partway through that pitch right it gets the menu and that's when you yeah when he gets the menu you're like okay but got him even roger gives him a little side eye like oh good stuff have i heard this before that kind of thing yeah like and uh orders the wedges before yeah he's like we're gonna get some salads and he kind of looks at him like Mm-hmm. You'll sit down for a salad. You gotta have a pitch in this app. Gotta have a wedge at a steakhouse. Yep, gotta. So, gotta. Yeah. If you're not getting a salad before the steak, you're messing up. Gotta say. And or and or oysters, but we know how that turned out before, so maybe yeah. not. Maybe not for Raj anymore. Do you, do you think Roger's had an oyster since that moment? I'm sure he know. has not. Yeah, I don't. I'm think sure so. his cardiologist but, would not want him to anyway. He's still drinking Gibsons though, so who knows? That's probably worse. <laughs> <laughs> So continuing on where Betty's brother and dad are at the house, now she and her brother and his wife are, like, talking about, like, what's going to happen in the future of things. And we uh, get, you know, what Betty's – we hear more about Betty's suspicion, which is always that her brother is basically trying to maneuver his way to get the house. Yeah, the suspicions have been there. It's clear they don't have a great relationship. She asks – Betty asks – um, Judy, his wife, what she thinks. And she's like, I know, like, I don't get a vote here. Like, she's like, I'm not gonna touch that. Right. Do you think he belongs in a home? Betty, I know I don't get a vote. Neither does Don. You're wrong about that, though. Right. Which we don't know yet. But to the point where Judy leaves the right. room, it gets so uncomfortable and blunt. You know how siblings can be. Sometimes yeah. they say things that, like... Make everybody else in the world uncomfortable, but because like, they're siblings. You're like, come like, on, this let's talk we, about it. This yeah. is how we talk to each other. Yeah, exactly. God, what was that meme of the siblings where it's like, you spend, do anything for this person unless they ask to borrow your phone charger and then you'd rather they die. <laughs> it's something like that about <laughs> right, siblings. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's a, a fraught uh, relationship sometimes. But, uh, it gets ugly. And Betty says, you just want to find him dead. And him to say, take those. <laughs> I know. Good dramatic. Uh, yeah. She didn't really go She's, for it as much no, as I wanted. As but, much as we just did. Yeah. But yeah. She she will use the image of her father's death in a conversation to prove a point, which is kind of dark. Right. And it is so, in one way, so interesting that 
you know, the, the mother died before the show started. Yes. In terms of the plot line versus what the mother is like hold Legacy. and impact yeah. over and influence oh, yeah. over these were because this seems like classic like guilt tripping mm-hmm. you know yeah, um, yeah. and I mean, we know, we know based on what betty said before that this is what her mother did and that she has a lot of complexes about right her mother wanting things a certain way but still lionizes her mother uh-huh. uh, which is kind of what she's doing here with her father because he's slipping Yes. You know, rose-tinted glasses from Betty because she does not live with her father every day slash work for her father like William does. Yeah, and she's like, you know, his little little princess. And so they have a kind of a non-realistic, like, view of one another a lot of the time. Starkly different relationships with the father between, between Betty them. and William. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And we would probably expect with the mother it would have been the same, too. We know mm-hmm. that Betty had a weird, like... Admiration, but probably also competitive type relationship with her mother. Right. But yeah, she and Dawn talk about it, and then it flashes back to William and Judy, who we find out are like in Bobby's room because they're like in the bunk beds, one on top of another, with like cowboy sheets. Talk about a power dynamic like move. Yeah, shift. Like, we'll make them sleep in, you know. We can't, like, put together, like, a be- a nice, like, guest room or even, like, make Sally's room, like, appropriate. We'll put them in the bunk beds. Right. And Gene's sleeping in the attic, it seems yeah, like. Yeah. And he's pissed, too. Right. Does that happen? Is that right now? Yeah. 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 That's just... Yeah. And at least Don makes him laugh and defuses that with some old uh, Jokes about army it. shit. Right, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, is there no guest room in this house? I know. It seems it's kind bizarre, of surprising. Right? <laughs> Maybe that's part of the remodel that they're we'll working see. on. But yeah. Well, he says exactly what we thought about. He's like, they always used to fight. And now she doesn't even mention that. Right. Yeah. Now now it's all love and she wants what's best for him, et cetera, et cetera. When deep down he's like, you know, she's my sister. I know her. Right. You know? I know I what know their whole relationship was like. She's putting up this high horse, but she knows that the only reason she's mad about me wanting the house is because she wants the house and <laughs> yeah. all the shit in it. Right, exactly. You know? But Judy tries to be kind of diplomatic. She's like, family's important to Betty. Yeah. Like, yeah, family, family money, family name, right. family legacy. Sure, sure. And, yeah, William is like, you know, Don didn't have anyone anyone at their wedding. And I'm, like, embarrassed working for my dad as a 30-year-old man. And I feel like just, like, how baby-faced he is doesn't help that cause either. Yeah, big pouting, just, uh, big pouty vibes. Yeah. But, yeah, it is weird we that both. he brings up Don, like, with no family. Right, and, right. You know, and that maybe... Harkens back to the trouble between them earlier, like... Completely different mindsets yeah. about everything. Yes, exactly. At her in her bedroom, which may as well have a bunk bed, yeah. Peggy <laughs> Peggy is like in a nightgown. She like puts her hair into like the Anne Margaret like flip and is like singing "Bye Bye Birdie" in her nightie into her hairbrush. If you weren't uncomfortable enough with the family drama, oh, oh Peggy, yeah, it's, it's tough, cringy. Because it's, like, while she was, like, at work, she's, like, this is, like, bullshit. Like, this is just, like, men, like, fantasizing about, you know, some, like, cutesy woman. And then at home, she's, like, what if I was an Anne-Margaret type? I mean, this whole episode is about power dynamics with personal issues. And this scene is so uncomfortably personal. And there's no conflict here. It's, well, I guess it's conflict with herself and her comfort. (laughs) And the patriarchy. But given all the weird shit that happens in this episode, this is by far the most uncomfortable scene. And you just, ugh. But here's the thing. It's like something that like 
I don't know, I don't know if, like, young guys' experience is different, but young girls, you definitely would, like, sing into a mirror or, like, put a face on and, like, have a fake conversation. But it's just, like, so uncomfortable to watch that. Oh, no, no. self-reflection I think that's why it's so uncomfortable. It's so relatable. Everybody's done stuff like that. For sure have done that. Yeah, Yeah, everybody's done stuff like that. But you're looking at this and you're like, wow, did it look like that? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, man, does it show how much I like oh. had inner conflict about myself yeah. too? <laughs> I think, I mean, and she's looking into a mirror. It's the perfect like way to really upset the viewer in a not controversial way, I yeah. think, which this show loves to do both yeah. as we've talked about. But this, oh, oh, I feel just so bad. But it speaks volumes up to what Peggy is processing exactly and again it's more back to like watching joan and just trying to figure out like what is the role of like me you know as like a young woman that's like you know single in my sexual prime and also trying to work in this super like super s- chauvinistic like structure right and reconciling her success in the business world like her success in her job with her relative lack of success in her personal life Sure. I think. Yeah. And it's hard to reconcile those two things. When you're thriving at one, you feel you should be thriving at everything, you know? You feel. Especially yeah. when you're in that early 20s age. You're like, oh, yeah. You're like, why, why is. I want everything. I'm in the prime right of my life. Why is everything not going right all the time? Right. You know? and that, yeah. It's like, guess what? It does it never not will. get better. It never will. Yeah. <laughs> it's all hard through the whole life. And then you die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> then. Lane and Dawn, like, talk again after we had watched Dawn and Roger, like, charm the Madison Square Garden guys. And we find out that Lane is reporting from the London office that they think they have a conflict with Madison Square Garden. They need to drop it. And Dawn is like, how is there a conflict? This is the first of its kind, like, huge event, like, entertainment complex in New York City, America. It's insane. And we have what no conflict? Idea. We have no idea. And it's going to give them so much business, like, over the years because there's going to be so many events there. And Lane is like, yeah, but it's basically something you're going to work on for years and not get returns on. Right. Well, like they said, ground doesn't break in two years. Uh, okay. Well, Madison Square Garden is still a thing. It's still going to be a cash cow. Yeah, forever. And that's what Don says. He's like, this is our gateway into the World's Fair, which is the biggest trade show in the world. Why would we not do this? What possible conflict? And and from us in 2021, we're like, this is a short, short-sighted decision. Here. Uh, yeah. What uh, possibly could there? There's nothing like this in London. Yeah. And Lane doesn't seem super clear on it either. Don right. is like, well, you told me to get this. I did it. Like, what else do you want me to do? Right. And and Don asks, why'd you buy us? Lane, Lane. doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, and so we get the sense that this is literally just a one line on an accounting thing, Yes, this office. Them. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and we're finally getting a sense of, number one, how big Sterling Cooper was, which the first two seasons we got the sense that it was a big-sized one in New York. But yeah. now we're getting a sense that this is a little baby, little compared, baby bitch compared, of a yeah. firm com- that got bought by this huge international, you know, a British Empire firm, basically. <laughs> so never sets. It's just like how they said they were talking at dinner about how this other firm opened up an office in Venezuela, in Caracas, right. at the dinner. It's like these guys have now they're finally getting a, a little more perspective, and it's not good. They feel. Yeah, Small. they're being dragged around. And- yeah. 
Don does not like doing his job when there's no ends to it. Yeah, he doesn't like being... He also doesn't like being told what to do, and then when, like, when he actually does that, for that to not pay out. And then no explanation. Yep. And he knows. Don, if there's one thing we know, we know that Don has a intuition that drives him to success mm-hmm. always yeah and it's sure. unexplained and all that and here he this is where it comes out like he can clearly see what this is this is going to become the most lucrative thing yeah. in the country yes basically it's like the best and he's, prospect out there he's just flabbergasted and, and destroyed by this basically yes and yeah he gets no answers for it nope and then, yeah, so Lane leaves. Peggy comes in. She's like, do you have time? He's like, can it wait? And she says, no. It is the storyboards for this uh, patio, bye-bye <laughs> birdie thing. And she's kind of explaining that to him. And he's like, oh, I haven't seen it. And she's surprised because he sees everything. We've seen him in the movie theater before. Right. And so what do they do? They go watch the reel. They do. Don has the same look on his face that Sal had after watching it. A yeah. little bit more kind of subdued. Like, he's a little bit more nostalgic. Like, oh, like youth. I remember when girls used to throw themselves like me, like that at me. Happened when I was yesterday. Young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, he thinks it's like, oh, he's like, oh, gosh. How, how like, charming. Having that post-coital cigarette type thing yeah. on his Yeah, he's face, not as, like, know. overtly horny as the other guys, you know, but he's, like, still, like, gets the, well, gets the appeal. Yeah, that's part of his appeal is he's never overt. Yeah, you know? but Peggy like expects him to be like more on her side. She's like, "Isn't this like so annoying? Like, don't you <laughs> yeah. think she's so shrill?" And he's like, "Oh, it's sweet." We're still at that phase in the show where Peggy like expects Don to always be her hero, I guess, because he—I mean, he—he he is her mentor, mm-hmm. and so she still has that kind <laughs> of like another rose-colored tint over. He can't really do any wrong, and of course he'd agree with me. Of course right. he'd understand. He understands me, and he's the opposite yeah it's like no you're thinking about this too sentimentally yes but i think i don't know like i think that to some extent it's like validated like you know he's more receptive of her he's like i know why you think that you know where the other guys are like you're not fat anymore like shut up peggy he at least (laughs) we're we're the men here he does understand a little more where she's coming from but what does he say basically what lane's failure to explain things told him in the last meeting which is you're not an artist yeah so, you know, this is, you're a problem solver. You do what they ask you to do, even if you think it's bad, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Now, the last line has confused me. Leave some tools Same. in your toolbox. I agree. I don't and know I'm not what... sure what he's trying to say here. Maybe don't show your whole, Hand. don't show all yeah. your, your cards right away. And like, right. don't fight these battles the yet. Quite yet. I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting Or just kind of like, he... there's going to be more times in your career where you're called upon to be more artistic. Right. So in this one where they've given you something, don't like fight the prompt. Yeah. And I'm not even sure Peggy gets that one. She definitely gets, you're not an artist. Remember And that. men want to be with her. Women want to be her. And she's like, what? And he's like, sorry if that makes you uncomfortable, but it's true. Yeah. It's like, oh, I mean, Jesus. And, and this is another line that gets used. This is right out of another ad playbook they use all the time that's what they're trying to sell yeah they're trying Fantasy. to sell yeah and i think peggy's like kind of lost and this is for me this ad's for me but right. he's like no it's this ad is who you want to be this ad is for the men that run the households and the women that were like oh my husband liked this i need to be like it exactly yeah. and so it's gonna sell to the husbands who are like okay i need to buy patio for my wife or, or my- the wife is gonna watch it and be like my husband was really into into Anne margaret I want to be like that. Uh, yeah, which means aspirational. I need to guzzle diet Pepsi. Yeah, <laughs> to reduce. Yes, 
Eat my Melba toast. Go on the this crazy Melba toast diet that Ethel Barrymore went on, where you eat like a grapefruit, an egg, and Melba toast and all day. Yeah, and what's probably left out of that diet is the pounds of cocaine everybody was doing back right. then that and, actually cost you to and lose you weight. And you just could like it's a suppressant. You just like laid around the house on your fainting couch because yeah. you're rich. And you're so lightheaded, you just need places to pass out all the time. Yeah. Oh, the rich. Yeah. What a life. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of the day, Peggy's leaving. She is, ends up in the elevator with Roger, and it's weird because they never like really talk directly. I think, but the, when they do, it's like so, it's so good. odd. And funny. their relationship is so interesting because the only other time we've really seen them talk was when she asked for the office. Uh huh. Right? He was like, "Yeah, I like you, young women. You're moxie. Yeah, <laughs> more than most of the men around here." And then he says the same kind of thing in this scene. He's like, "You're the only one without that dumb look on your face." Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and she's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Listen, what would your dad have to do for you to not want him at your wedding?" And she's like, "Well, my dad's dead." He's like, "Yeah, you'd do anything." Mind you, this is in a full elevator. There's yeah. like eight other people in there. And yeah, he doesn't even know that her dad is dead. She doesn't even know maybe that his daughter's getting married or barely knows that. Right. There's no context to this. Well, Don didn't give Roger his uh, empathy. Or sympathy. So now here he is in this elevator just taking it out on Peggy, who really has no idea what's going on. Right. At all. Right. At all. And she's just trying to be polite. And yeah. And again, it has just had, like, you know, this weird day of, like, want, you know, last night privately at home pretending to be Anne margaret and then trying to t- convince don that it was kind of bullshit he didn't right. believe her so she's just like i don't know what is expected of me at this office and meanwhile all. roger seeks out someone that has to listen to him and has to respond yeah <laughs> to him in the way he wants exactly. to be responded to in this case he doesn't even need someone to respond he just needs someone to kind of hear it hear it yes exactly <laughs> this relationship will develop more and it is absolutely it's fascinating. so interesting yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure I don't know, maybe she kind of got, you know, some weird, she wants to boost her confidence or she got confidence boost today, but she decides to go out to a bar, has her hair like all done up as she did the other night. And she makes the same subway joke to a guy at this crowded Irish bar that Joan made to the men in the office and they laugh too. Yeah, I didn't catch that connection. And yeah, the joke lands. It does. It's a good pick. It's like in that episode of Friends where Joey has that story about traveling through the alps and seeing a woman bathing naked and crying and he's like it works every time and then ross tries to use it and the woman's like oh i hiked in the alps what mountain and he's like can i finish my story anyway it's great because that's what rachel ends up using on him Uh, it's a great it's a great plot line in friends but anyway the line lands it does perfectly it doesn't she doesn't have to add the same caveat at the end of oh my husband would never let me take the subway it's like Oh, you've been to a subway. You're like, right. you know, a young, like, up-and-coming gal. But yeah, this guy's like, where's your drink? Yeah. Good, strong Brooklyn accent. <laughs> or, I mean, I, I don't even know what part of New York that is. but Yeah. It's not uh, Madison Avenue. But it works. And <laughs> by the way, this bar scene also made me very uncomfortable given our current environment. It was packed. Yeah. People just haven't been in that crowded kind of thing and dancing for a yeah. while. Then Don gets home and... He walks into William plunging their sink. Just pandemonium in this house. Yeah. Walks in. Well, this was before they had garbage disposals, so I guess perhaps you did have to get a plunger out if things got clogged up in there. But William assures him it's no big deal. No worries, Completely under control. Meanwhile, there's a hundred kids in the living room. (laughs) Jean's banging cards on the table. Yeah. 
Judy's trying to set the table, and Betty comes down the stairs in tears. After that day at work, he comes home to this just mess. Yeah. Betty is, like, distraught that she's just going to go out and get a bucket of chicken. I don't know if it's just for her or to serve the family, but... Been there. Stress. Yeah. Been there. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Dawn's like, okay, like, what order of operations? Let's figure out what's wrong with Betty first. Right. He's like, gosh, what's wrong? And she's like... My brother says that they're going to put my dad in a home. Yeah. And Don sees this and goes, okay, I can exert some power in this situation. So let's get this taken care of right now. Yeah. And without even, he's still looking at Betty and just yells, William. Yeah, Don. I'll get the chicken in a minute. And then asks to speak with him. And he comes in with a plunger. And then he sees that they're going into the study and then he sets the plunger just down in the hall i think or something yeah it's like oh it's a serious talk i can't have the plunger here right and they try he tries to chit chat with like pointing out this globe in don's office he's like wow like what year is this from don says i don't care (laughs) here's what's gonna happen um you are going to explain to your sister and your wife that we've reached an understanding you will give us money for your dad to live here, and his house is not going to be touched. And guess what? The car stays here. Ah, uh, yeah. And you guys get to leave. Yeah. Immediately. And he's like, yeah, I'll, okay, well, I'll take that into consideration. And Dodd's like, no, 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 no. No. It's great because, well, there's a lot to think about here with Don doing this in the first place, which is a little uncharacteristic in a way. Yeah. But he basically... Gives it to William, like, we can just pretend that you came to this decision on your own. Yeah, and that's how you're going to pretend. It's like, we'll just pretend that you made the right decision on your own. Yeah, Yeah. so shade. So shady. (laughs) And William, like, we've seen through this that he's pretty ineffectual. And so there's no way he was going to fight fight this at all. And it's, yeah, I mean, that's how you can tell, like, and I don't know if this is kind of, like, leftover Don trying to to appease Betty more. That's what I wondered. He initially was, like, didn't even want him coming for the week. He called him an antique. Yeah. (laughs) And there's no, there's no, it's no secret that they don't get along. Right. But, I mean. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah. And at the end of the day, William acts mad. But this is what William wanted. Well, he really wanted to sell the house. We know that. He wanted the money. But. Does he want to sell it or does he want to live in it? Because you can't buy. I think they were talking earlier about selling it. But does, to, to pay for the, the home. Is that what, when, when Betty's talking about William, oh, they want to sell their house. They want to sell one of the houses to. I think that yeah. Betty is saying, though, that William wants the house. That's why he's Take like. the house, yeah. Like he right. wants the, the old family bed. manor, basically, right. yeah. <laughs> family manners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he at least has the guy out of his hair. Yes. And out of his wife's life, which he was difficult. You could tell he was difficult on Judy. Yeah. But he goes, fine, you can have him. And that's it. Don goes and sits down at the dinner table, and William tells Betty. And mm-hmm. you see Betty look at him like, you did this? Yeah. Really? And it's so it's really uncharacteristic of him to do this. So yeah, I think you're right that there's still some ground to make up. Or maybe it's also just, yeah, like an overall, like, he'd rather he and Betty be like the preferred children of his wife's, like, yeah. father who hates him than or, you know, the other ones. Yeah. Or are we just attributing too much emotion to... Don the automaton. Automaton. Maybe he... Uh, maybe he just wants to exert power over the situation and have it end and get them out of his house as soon as possible. Yeah. And that's what he does too. <laughs> maybe he just wanted Betty to stop crying 
He's yeah. like, I'll, I'll do anything yeah. for you to stop crying and talking about fried chicken. Right. I'll, I'll do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? There's a lot, you know, that he's a man of few words uh, and we don't really know, but it comes off as a kind thing to Betty, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, she's and pleased. Base treason to Gene. Yeah. <laughs> he's. It feels like he's quoting like King Lear or some Shakespeare. Uh, yeah, I here. wonder. I he says for the, the plans, the plans, the plans you make. <laughs> I looked for that quote and I could not find it. Yeah. Uh, but I wondered that too. It sounded like King Lear or Macbeth or something. Yeah, some. But, yeah, uh, but he's well. In in this in this in this um, episode, there is earlier a reference to pouring poison in the ear, which was you yeah, know, what happened in Hamlet. That's true. Yeah, maybe maybe some of the other plays too. Who knows? We are not Shakespeare scholars here. I did take a Shakespeare class in college. I had to read a bunch of them, and I don't remember. Well, any I just of don't them. remember like a quote like that's not one of the top five famous ones. Yeah, wow. Off the top of my head. I'm sure our esteemed viewers will know immediately. Let us know. But basically, they, they kind of quell him a bit because they say, you get to keep the car here mm-hmm. and we're not selling the house. It's and more we know of a Betty's vacay. a better cook, so yeah. you'll and be it's happy. More of a vacation. That's funny that she says that after Betty was literally going out to get a bucket of fried chicken. Yeah. Uh, because something happened in the kitchen, right? <laughs> well, I because assume. Because the plunger yeah. thing happened in yeah. the kitchen. So who knows exactly. But I yeah. assume that was not her fault, though. Yeah. It's these disasters she's led into the home. You just don't know. We just don't know. Yeah. But what we do know is we have a new family member in good old Ossining, New York right now. And mm. it is Jean, Grandpa Jean. Wow. Who I will say is one of my least favorite yeah, people you, of this show. You get uh, Livia Soprano vibes. I was just going sure. to say, yeah. I don't know who is worse, but they are like a pair made, made for one another because they're both just miserable. It's a good plot device for... These shows and for putting making, pressure on a marriage, yeah, putting pressure on the protagonist. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, then back at the bar, Peggy is chit chatting more with this guy who she used that opening line on, and yeah, this all-American high school boy just eating a burger at a bar, yeah, yeah, like chewing with his mouth like open. Says his, his mom says he's still growing. Um, he was pre-law and then changed to engineering. Good call, bro good call but she's like those are so different yeah it's like obviously he's just a kid he doesn't know what he's no yeah he's just in college right he's out at a bar on uh whatever night it is just yeah a weeknight yeah because she has to go to yeah and yeah his friends like kind of wingman for him yeah just point out that he lives close yep (laughs) and uh well peggy uh takes a big bite of that burger gets ready to uh and then some yeah have a little more. Have a little more. Midnight snack. <laughs> well, yeah, so they go back to, like, his apartment, and they're, like, fooling around on the couch, and she asks if he has a Trojan. Very hip of her to da, da. call it, like, a... Some which, of, it's yeah. the most famous condom brand, for sure. S- some of these characters have learned from past mistakes, at least. And yeah. Is, and when he says right no, she's list. like, oh, we can't. Yeah, not going down that road again. But there's other things, right? That they could do. It's a short little scene of Peggy just, again, like... Trying to feel Alive. sexy, yeah. yeah, have sex appeal after her whole conflict with Anne Margaret. Yes, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah she's and kind of like, why well, wants to know? This was like fish in a barrel. This yeah, was, could not have been easier <laughs> yeah. for her. All the subway from the subway line on, it was a done deal if she wanted it. Yeah, it like. from going into a bar, yeah, and talking to <laughs> a man of the demographic, it was good to go. <laughs> And then there's, like, two, like, short, like, middle-of-the-night scenes. One is 
Um, there's like sirens in the neighborhood at Don and Betty's and like Don and Betty come downstairs to see Jean pouring like the liquor down their, down their sink. And it's like, we got to get rid of it. Like they're coming for us. Yeah. So a lot to unpack here. Cause we get a little bit of Jean's history. Clearly he was like a, a rum runner or had some issues during prohibition. Yeah. Like doing this. And clearly he's got dementia or. Alzheimer's. Which we've kind some, of, yeah, yeah we've, we've gathered, but before. it's just kind of more, and right. that's kind of like the first night he's there, Don and Betty are realizing yeah. like what they're going to be and Don you know, has, working with. Don has that, Betty kind of walks off and then we're left with one of those Don freeze frames. Freeze all, frame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A la Joe Bluth. I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I mean, this is what I can't it's believe you be. did it. Frankly. Yeah. I mean, we're still in shock. And then you just see, oh yeah. I mean, this is a caretaker situation. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. This is not just a family member moving in. Right. Then, meanwhile, um, Peggy's middle of the night scene is her leaving the apartment, trying to sneak out without being noticed by the guy. And he's like, what are you doing? She's like, I've, I've got work tomorrow. Like, I'm going to go. He's like, you want to get breakfast? And she's like, no, it's, it's like, like 3 a.m. It's dark out. Yeah. But he kind of tries to, like, hint that he goes to that bar a lot so they can see each other again. And she is clearly not interested in that. Yeah. It, it kind of seems like it was a uh, mutual uh, departure. Like, he's like, oh, well, I'm there. You might be able to find me. There's another me. time you want to just have sex. In like, that crowded bar, but we're not exchanging information or anything. There's no real date coming up. Yeah, yeah. Both of them. And then so. she's, like, fiddling with the locks as fast as she can. Like, get me the fuck to out, get of out of here. Yeah, immediate regret, you know? When you're... Yeah. Pursuing those, like, it's just like Dawn. You're pursuing those moments of being empowered just and, like, feel alive. having your agency. You and then the shame. The way you do it, you're like, ugh, that doesn't make me feel any better. That makes yeah. you feel worse. I don't know. I don't think she felt, like, too bad. I think she was just like, there's no reason for me to stay around here. Yeah. I'm not going to pursue a relationship with this person. With a college, with a college kid. Yeah. You know, who thinks I'm a secretary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. he helps her get out. Yep. It's the bottom lock. Bye. There's eight locks on this door. Well, I mean, don't blame them. All right, and then there's a school event that the Drapers have to go to for May Day. May Day. May Day. May Day. Yep, they've got the Maypole. They're all dressed in their midsummer. Yeah, did you do this? Did you ever have to do a Maypole thing in school? We didn't do a Maypole, but we did May Day thing where you'd make, like, you make, like, a May basket, which is, like, or Mayflowers or whatever, and you put them on like your neighbor's front door or front porch and then ring the doorbell and run away on the so first like day a, of May. So it's like a reverse prank. Yeah, it's like a nice a surprise. Prank. Yeah, so we'd always leave them with Dwayne and Shirley, our, yeah. old, the, the our only neighbors older that, neighbors that live next yeah, to us. The only ones that live within a mile of you yeah. in the woods, the deep woods. My parents' house, yeah. And I don't live in the woods. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't. I honestly can't remember ever discussing May Day, ever touching on May Day in school. I don't know what it really is. I assume it's some harvest pig. It looks, you know, that paganistic right, harvest right. stuff. But uh, they're just dancing around this pole. Yep. She introduces us at field day. I was like, this would be the worst field day. I think no it'd be races. better than a field day because I hated field no, day I as an unathletic kid. Oh, I was a, yeah. No. I don't know, but uh, Don has <laughs> other intentions, and you can tell. You can just see this. Yeah, because we've, we've met the away. we've met the teacher, and the way Don is just yeah. The teacher introduces this scene, and what's her name? Miss Farrell. Mm-hmm. 
and you just see even through Don's like aviator sunglasses, he's like stroking the grass. Oh yeah, he's like, he's like my next yeah like conquest ter- target acquired. Yeah, it's yeah. like a Terminator fuckboy Terminator type thing going on here. It's yeah, weird weird scene. And she looks like yeah, she looks just so different from like you know Betty's in her yellow like lace shift dress and kind of Jackie O sunglasses, and then has her hair quaffed and the teacher has kind of her hair down and wavy flower crown like you know a more casual like embroidered dress young in the 60s kind of a look yeah yep so there goes this whole uh family dynamic you can just sense (laughs) well i mean last episode he had an affair too or oh the flight 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 attendant attendant, that's true but this like his even his whole inviting gene in is like a it was like a momentary it's like thing. A, or a distraction. Yeah, but like, now keep yeah. busy. But you know, it's Don. So now he feels like he's owed. Like he did something, right? That's exactly how he feels. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And you know, we get a little family picture with all of them with Gene yeah, involved. He's too, part of the gang know, now. With his big fat. They're like, tie. hey Drapers, like come here. It's like, yeah, of course we want a photo the most photogenic family at this school. And, and Don and Betty are probably like, Who knows us here? Yeah. How dare they okay. use our name here? Yeah. yeah. But uh take a nice little picture. Mm-hmm. Everyone yells cheese. Cheese. Yeah, yes. and then yeah, because Sally, it's for her class, and she all the all the kids are dressed for May Day too that are doing the things. So she's wearing like the flower crown and stuff. Yeah, it's very funny. Straight out of Midsummer. Yeah, isn't what she's wearing. Yep. And <laughs> yeah, and that's where uh, Don and better be careful, or he's gonna be straight out of Midsummer. Yeah, get burned, he's in doing. The, get burned in that bear suit. Yeah, spoilers. Oof. Exactly. And then yeah, back at work. Peggy and Don just go in to talk about an account and yeah, we get that end of one of those other like Rockwell-esque type scenes where they kind of just are both sitting there with the office door open and mm-hmm. conducting business yeah, in it's a quiet like office. Their personal yeah. lives are both kind of like weird and but like then they, when they go back to the work and they come in and they're both just very confident and aloof. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. What a, what a odd compilation of scenes. That was season three, episode two. Um, who are you promoting? I am promoting, of course, Mr. Don Draper. Me too. One. He uh, he does some good uh, good work here, family wise and in the office. Yes, a lot of mending fences and repairing. Uh, you know, heading off potential catastrophes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, even though neither of them really pay off in the long run, <laughs> it seems like the Madison Square Garden thing right. falls through not from his fault. Mm-hmm. And then we've already seen that this Gene thing's going to be more difficult than he uh, anticipated. Yeah. But, but at the same time, good work. I mean, he did everything he needed to do, and uh, it could have been a lot worse yeah. in both situations. Yeah, and he, you know, got to kind of flex on William he got to flex a little bit on Lane or like kind of show that they're like equals in you know how the firm is running now and I think that he kind of helped to like I don't know like bridge the gap between Peggy and the rats on the bye bye birdie stuff or like kind of help her you know feel like she's being listened to um but like give advice about how to like apply you know what she's doing like in the future yeah, sometimes a mentor has to be blunt, and he is with her. It's like, yeah. sorry if that makes you uncomfortable, but you need to remember this is not about a personal feeling here. Right, right. And you're not, yeah, you're not. But he handles it well. It's not yeah, like I offensive, think... and she kind of gets it more when it comes from him. Right. It's not, yeah, it's not harsh at all. Yeah. Who'd you fire? Uh, William. Yeah. Yeah. Who about you? Roger. Mm. Uh, I, I just think that uh, 
that scene with Mona and um, is so difficult. Also and a little bitch, yeah. Also having him open up and basically say, I don't even care about this wedding. It's really just now a personal competition yeah, to win. not very flattering, and, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, it's rough for him because he's going to get, like, he has no leverage. Well, I guess he has the money that he's paying for the wedding right. with. But, but I mean, know, the wedding's not about what dad wants to happen. Yes, exactly. And let's just say... Yeah, he doesn't have a lot to stand on. And we don't even know if Jane is going to be able to go to the wedding at this point. <laughs> it's, so, yeah, it's threatened that she might uh, not. So Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff going on. Yeah. What is your favorite quote? Uh, my favorite quote is actually uh, William uh, saying that they were going to mail the sandwich to, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. to Jean's ex. To Gloria. To yeah, Gloria. That was great. I, we'll mail it to her. Yeah. That was good. It, just, it cracked me up. Yeah, his uh, delivery was really funny, There were a lot too. of good little funny quotes in yeah, this Yeah, I laughed so. a lot in this episode. Which one did you pick? Um, if you don't like what's being said, change the conversation. Of course, a classic you know, it's one. The, yeah. One of the Mad Men all-timers, for sure. Right, another good pitch misdirection. Yep. All right, our friend's... Sterling, what's the gold that you picked? <laughs> him sitting down, him talking to Don about how bad the wedding stuff is at the restaurant. The waiter comes over. He says, Gibson, up. Turns to Don. That's going to help. <laughs> God, just, just embracing the alcoholism. But yeah. we already knew that's, that's kind of his uh, way to go, which yeah. is why I picked... Him asking Lane if you ever got drunk and tried on that suit. Oh, yeah. Never get three <laughs> that, sheets to the too. wind and try this on. He also said that Betty was Princess Grace that ate a basketball. Yeah. So he had a lot of good good lines. He just too. always does have a good way with words, even if it's, you know, the context of it makes them offensive sometimes. I mean, yeah, <laughs> even during the dinner, he offers Brooks a drink and Brooks says, or during the lunch meeting, Brooks says, no, thank you. And he goes, great, I'll have yours. <laughs> it's just, oh, man. Yeah. He's just on top of stuff. For being a, a big loser in this episode, but right. all right, what's your favorite outfit? Uh, Mona's Mona's funeral garb. <laughs> the, the, yeah, that's it. Uh, um, the tea, the lunch tea, or whatever it is. Mm, yeah, uh, she just comes in ready to swing. Yes, and she wins. She swings hard, comes out on top. I think definitely. What'd you pick? Also, well, what I'm doing now is because I feel that I'm often I'm often not being appreciative enough of the men's fashion. I'm going to do a men's and a women's favorite oh, outfit. Okay. So starting today, um, the women's outfit, I picked Betty's brocade dress um, jacket combo that she wears when they go out to dinner with Lane. And then, yeah, I mean, I also like honorable mentions to Mona's outfit to the May Day outfit that Miss Farrell has. Yeah, and also I'm kind of surprised you didn't mention uh... – their daughter's outfit because that's very much that kind of hip rich style that you you like too oh roger, the gingham roger and the gingham suit yeah, that, and the that, like, pillbox hat kind of fuzzy yeah. uh color yeah i'm not Pink. much of a big fan of the old of the hats the old-fashioned hats on women yeah so you're, that kind you're of not really a hat down. person unless I it's the really kentucky derby yeah knock on wood that episode's uh, Ugh, next i believe right we're gonna have to spend a while figuring out how to deal with that but yeah uh, anyway um so what'd you pick for the men's? But I ultimately picked Don in a gray flannel suit and aviators at like the kids field day mayday performance, just like looking yeah. like he did not fit the like way too cool school for school. That's the first one that came to my mind when you said you were gonna do one of each. Mm-hmm. So that's a good one. Relatedly, the hottest is Don in a gray flannel suit and aviators. 
All um, right. But also Miss Farrell, because I'm also going to do the same for hotness. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick Anne Margaret. Mm. I, <laughs> I didn't know that would count. I didn't. I guess we've done. We we've done weirder versions of that. We we've do done it. Marilyn Monroe singing "Happy Birthday, <laughs> Mr. President." I think we could do it every we okay. want. To be honest, yeah, that's uh, fair. Yeah, uh, I'd go with her. Okay, for the dudes. I agree. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's hard to beat Don at the Mayday. Mm-hmm. Thing. Uh, the whole Mayday scene is so from a different time that it's very there's an exoticism to that whole yeah. situation because I've never seen yeah. anything like that. So yeah, Miss Farrell looks pretty good. But yes, you, it, and it, Betty it, looks cute too in her bright yellow. I mean, it's a, just a shoe in Betty. Always in the right. I know that's why. I, that's running. why I have to, you know, open up my, open up the the categories a little bit so I make yeah. sure. No, I agree. We need to be more balanced approach. Uh, more encompassing. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, season three, episode two, "Love Among the Ruins," uh, has an IMDb rating of seven point eight. That's good for eighty seventh out of ninety two episodes. Ooh, we wow. have now covered the lowest five episodes, I believe, of the oh, show. Really? This okay. is. Um, all right. Well, it's a one-to-one here. How are you going to rank them? I will put the last episode before this one. So my order, it goes one and then two. I mean, I always really just like the Mad Men premieres in general because they kind of, you've always jumped forward a little bit in time and you're like having to kind of catch up and make assumptions about what happened in the interim. And I like the Sal storyline and seeing how Dawn reacts to that. That we see that Don, you know, is back on his bullshit after Betty had just barely taken him back and then pitting yeah. Pete and Ken against each other. This one was kind of a little bit more of like kind of patching through some stories like the exposition of the gene stuff, which will be more plot heavy later on. But for now, it's like we have to just establish like how he's getting here. I agree. The first episode, Sal stuff aside, even they always shift gears so much from the premiere to the next couple episodes to the point where it is that kind of patchwork exposition you need to build up to whatever the season's gonna turn into Mm -hmm. and uh, it seems like season twos always are like or episode twos and all the seasons are kind of like this. yeah they're always a little weaker you start off with a bang and then here's a bunch of scenes you just need to know to see where the characters' minds are in 1963. Yeah. As opposed to 1962. Yep, exactly. Um, so yeah, I would say one and then two. All right. Oh, there we go. A nice a nice quick one for once from us, huh? Yeah, right, uh, for once. All right, we Thanks. will see you back. Thanks for listening. We will see you soon.